Welcome to Alabama Short Stories, when you're a little behind on your Alabama history. I'm your host, Sean Wright. I first learned about the Indian tribes in Alabama during elementary school. In fourth grade, we learned the state's history from the book, Alabama Mounds to Missiles, by Helen Morgan Aikens and Virginia Pounds Brown. I enjoyed it so much that my parents gave the book to me as a gift for Christmas that year. We learned that the main tribes in Alabama were the Creek, Cherokee, Choctaw, and Chickasaw. In class, their land was outlined over a map of Alabama to show where each tribe lived. That year, my class visited Moundville on the Black Warrior River located outside Tuscaloosa, and we learned about the Indians who lived there over 500 years ago. But as fourth graders, we were more interested in running up and down the steep mounds and being away from school for the day. The Trail of Tears story was given its own chapter in the book, but the tragedy and horror of that time did not register with me until many years later. If I had to guess, it might have been around the same time I started to realize that the names of towns around the state were Indian names. Towns such as Lochapoca, Eufaula, Atala, Aniana, Opelika, Tuscumbia, and Wetumpka, to name just a few. In contrast to these towns, you will find Fort Deposit, built during the Creek Indian War, and Fort Payne in northeast Alabama. U.S. Major John Payne built Fort Payne, the fort, not the city, to intern Cherokee Indians until they could be forcibly removed in the 1830s to Indian Territory in Oklahoma during what is called the Trail of Tears. Many Indians died on the way to Oklahoma. They traveled on foot as much as 12 miles a day and carried their possessions with them. When moccasins wore out, they went barefoot. When it got cold, they had to make do with what they had. Many did not finish the trip to Oklahoma. The trail of tears behind them was marked with the graves of the old, the sick, and the unfortunate who died along the way. There was one Indian tribe that we did not learn about in fourth grade called the Yuchi tribe. The Yuchi historically lived in the eastern Tennessee River Valley before migrating south to Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, and some even as far as the Panhandle of Florida. While the Indian Removal Act of 1830 targeted Cherokees, other tribes were targeted as well. The Yuchi were removed to Oklahoma. Tuscumbia native Tom Hendricks heard stories about Indians when he was growing up as well. His stories did not come from a sanitized school book. The stories he was told as a child came from his grandmother. Hendricks's grandmother told him stories of a teenage girl named Talane who lived along the Singing River, or Tennessee River as we know it. It was called that because her tribe, the Yuchi, and other tribes who lived along the river believed a woman lived in it and sang to them. When authorities came to round up the Indians, they scattered and tried to avoid detection. Talane's grandmother put her and her sister in a canoe and sent them downstream. This small act probably saved their lives. When the girls returned, they found graves covered with stones. They guessed that their grandmother had buried those that had been killed. The girls took the stones from the river and added them to the graves to honor their ancestors. The girls continued to evade capture until they were found in a root cellar during mopping up operations by the troops. They were given identification numbers engraved on a metal medallion with the number on the front and U.S. on the back. Talane was given number 59, and her sister was given number 60. 
The soldiers did not know what tribe they belonged to, so they were placed with the Muscogee Creek. They and the other Indians were forced to walk to Oklahoma along the Trail of Tears. When she got there, she listened for singing waters and found none. She knew she would die if she did not get back to her home. After one winter in Oklahoma, she set off on an arduous journey that would take her five years before she made it back to her singing river. She brought a journal of the adventures she had undertaken and the metal tag with the number 59 on it. She kept this because she thought her name had been changed by the soldiers and would need it when she got back to her homeland. These stories told to Tom Hendricks by his grandmother had extra meaning for him. You see, Talane was Hendricks's great-great-grandmother. His grandmother was passing the stories of her family to ensure that the family legacy would not die. By the 1980s, Hendricks realized he wanted to learn even more about Talane, the Yuchi tribe, and how he could honor his great-great-grandmother and her journey. He took a trip to Oklahoma and met an elderly Yuchi woman who still knew the language. Her name was Minnie Long, and she was able to interpret the written stories for him. Hendricks told her that he wanted to do something for his great-great-grandmother. Like a memorial, she said. We shall all pass this earth. Only the stones will remain. We honor our ancestors with stones. That's what you should do. Hendricks had a plan. He would build a memorial to his great-great-grandmother. Minnie Long changed the course of his life. In honor of Talane, he would lay a stone for every step she took. When he told his wife of his plan, she said if he was really going to do it, then he should make it fun. He needed to weigh his truck empty at the cotton mill and then fill it with stone level to the top and weigh it again. She would keep up with the loads he hauled. She predicted 4 million pounds of stone in 1980. By 2011, his wall contained 8.5 million pounds of stone. When he finished working on the wall, he liked to tell others that he wore out three trucks, 22 wheelbarrows, 2,700 gloves, three dogs, and one old man. There is a stone from every state of the Union and 127 countries and territories in the wall. Not to mention a meteorite, a tooth from a T-Rex, and the world's largest arrowhead. For 33 years, Tom Hendricks worked on the Wachapi Commemorative Stone Wall. It is a dry stack wall and is the largest unmortared wall in the United States. The wall is a mile long and snakes around Hendricks's property in Lauderdale County, close to the Natchez Trace. The wall is a very spiritual place for many who visit. After walking the length of the wall, a spiritual man named Charlie Two Moons told him, The wall does not belong to you, Brother Tom. It belongs to all people. You are just the keeper. I will tell you that it is Wachapi, which means like the stars. When they come, some will ask, Why does it bend? And why is it higher and wider in some places than in others? Tell them it is like your great-great-grandmother's journey and their journey through life. It is never straight. Of the approximately 80,000 Indians removed to Oklahoma, Talane is the only one that was proved to have returned to Alabama, despite the fact that it was a hangable offense to do so. The call of the river was that strong. She did not make an ordinary journey. I did not build an ordinary wall, said Tom Hendricks. For more information about Talane's journey, you can read about it in the book If the Legend Fades by Tom Hendricks. You can find more information at the website. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Alabama Short Stories. If you enjoyed the story, there are a couple of ways you can help the podcast. The first is to tell a friend about the podcast. The second is to buy some merchandise from our store or donate to the podcast. You can find links at alabamashortstories.com. You can listen to the podcast on the website or wherever you prefer to listen and subscribe to podcasts. See you next time at Alabama Short Stories.